Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Today, we've got a lot of stuff going on in the news today. Uh, my original intention was to talk about brain health and neurotoxicities and how to regenerate that. Well, the neurotoxicities that we're, that we're exposed to, uh, it had a bit of a turn yesterday. Um, if you haven't heard of Senate Bill 714, uh, this is the most draconian, amazing bill that was just passed by the California State Senate um, through complete ignorance and psychosis. I, we're we're going to go over that. But, but let's take a, a step back. When we're talking about brain function, if you look at um, Leonard Hayflick, now he wrote a book, How and Why We Age. And there's a quote from this book from 1994. There is no evidence that the maximum human lifespan has changed from what it was about 100,000 years ago. It's still around 115 years. End of quote. So think of that. We're designed to live 115 years. Why are we so sick? Well, yesterday, um, a massive, massive demonstration where mothers were chaining themselves to the state capitol. They actually st- shut down the capitol for a few hours because they, they tried and succeeded to sneak a bill in, SB 714, which was a companion bill. And this was with no public vote. And this is going to affect everyone in California. In fact, Senator uh, John Morlack, who's a rebel, Republican, said, we've got to hit the pause button. Uh, Republican Senator Jeff Stone um, said uh, it's unfair to label dissenters as extremists and anti-vaxxers when they're concerned about the health and welfare of their children. Now, the Republicans, it was a party line thing where the Democrats generally voted for it and Republicans uh, voted uh, against it, or they just didn't vote. Um, uh, But it passed overwhelmingly. Um, Republican Assemblyman Devon Mathis of Visalia, he said, this goes past vaccine and is a major government overreach. Our medically fragile children are what are at stake. And that's, so so you might think, well, what's the big hoopla? I mean, isn't it just to protect kids? Well, let me read some of the, um, some of the things in the, in the actual legislature. Um, what, what SB2 or 714 has. Um, and, and think of this. If I told you this five years ago, that the state government would go after medical doctors for being a medical doctor, that, that you would have no personal or religious freedoms in your medical choice, that if you want your kid to go to the state-funded tax schools that you pay taxes for and your children can't even attend that, Okay, and and let's say that you actually utilize medical care for your kids, which I wouldn't recommend. I mean, I'd get a a chiropractor, a homeopath, a naturopath. My God, why would you want to use a medical doctor? But, But even if you're utilizing medical care, listen to what it says about this. A clinically trained immunization department staff member who is either a physician Uh, and surgeon or registered nurse shall review all medical exemptions from any of the following. First, schools or institutions that have less than 95% coverage. 
physicians and surgeons who have submitted five or more medical exemptions in a calendar year, beginning January 2020. End of quote. Think of that. So if you are an actual doctor, and you, let's say you have a pediatric neurology practice, okay? A third of our practice is under 12, and a huge number of those are um, neurologically damaged kids. And typically it's from the vaccines, okay? In fact, we haven't seen one neurologic damaged kid that didn't have the full vaccine schedule. And so let's say that you're that type of doctor. And if you write more than five exemptions in a calendar year, you're going to be investigated. But let's not stop there. It goes on to state, if the department determines that a physician's or surgeon practice is contributing to a public health risk in one or more communities, the department shall report the physician to the Medical Board of California and the Osteopathic Board. Wow. Think of that. Uh, so that, that's the amendment. And it wasn't put up for a public vote. It just went through on party lines, and the Democrats are voting for it, and the Republicans are generally not voting for it. Uh, it's just mind-boggling. And that was in addition to the SB 276. Now, listen, listen to this. The SB 276 um, is put that only medical exemptions were allowed. This wiped out, wiped out um, any personal beliefs or religious exemptions. And let me read a part of that, because now I just read to you that if a medical doctor actually writes a medical exemption, and if they write more than five a year, they're going to be reported to their board, um, the, the medical board or osteopathic board. Uh, quote, existing law exempts those requirements of a pupil whose parents have filed with a governing authority a written statement by a licensed physician to the effect that immunizations is not considered safe for the child, indicating the specific nature and probable duration of medical condition or circumstances, including but not limited to um, family history. However, the SB 276, this bill would require a state public health officer or designate to approve or deny any medical exemption request upon determining if that request is sufficient medical evidence that the immunization is contraindicated, according to the CDC guidelines. So this, SB 276, took out the, the um, medical physician, and uh, SB 714 is going to prosecute medical physicians for, for giving a medical exemption. Think of this. Think of this. SB 277 eliminated all exemption except medical. SB 276 empowered the state officials to approve or deny the medical exemptions that were only given by the medical doctor. Now, SB 714 investigates the medical doctors who give more than five exemptions a year. I, it's, so think of this. We have no more parent rights, no more informed consent, no physician responsibility, no more choice. If you want your child to go to a school, if you want to go to a public place, you can't even get a medical. This is state-controlled forced medical procedures. I encourage you to go to physiciansright.org, physiciansright.org, and they did a study. They contacted 882 California doctors 
and they said that their child had an anaphylactic shock, which is one of the medical uh, the the approved medical exemptions by the CDC. They called up 882 doctors in California to see if they could get a medical exemption for an anaphylactic reaction that happened after the 12-month shots. And this is according to the CDC guideline. And when you listen to this um, video, that, that's mainly audio of them calling offices, it only lasts around two minutes. Not one exemption was given. Not, I mean, they're always saying, no, we can't do it. Because think of it, would you want to do it would, if you were a doctor, knowing that if you have five of them, you're going to be called before the board? And, and if you start writing medical exemptions uh, to medically fragile kids, you have the state government watching you? Okay, I encourage you to get educated. The vaccine manufacturers have immunity from any prosecution or liability. We, the only thing that we have is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System that you can get through the CDC. It's called wonder.cdc.gov. You can read How to End the Autistic Epidemic by J.B. Handley. Um, when you go, and I'm going to show you how to access the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. So if you still have people that don't understand that the 72 doses of 17 different vaccines that are literally affecting one in two. 54% of our kids have a chronic illness or disease now on how to access that data. Okay, and I have it step by step. Currently, if you type in death, um, age, sex, vaccine type, all of the United States, there's over 4,651 total events. This is, and you're just looking for death by vaccine. I'm going to bring up one of the case studies that we had. A kid came in Monday, and this is a story that we've heard. I mean, we hear it every week now. Um, you know, a new kid coming in, born perfect, meeting all the milestones. Then at 18 months, they got the shots, or it could be 24 months, you know. They got a fever, seizures, lost connection, then head banging, non-verbal, verbal constipation, seizures, sleep problems. I mean, it's the same story. This is why the parents were locking themselves to the doors of the state capitol. If you look at the American Academy of Pediatrics, and this is um, June 2011, uh, the title of the article is a National and State Profile of Leading Health Problems and Healthcare Quality for U.S. Children. Um, they're stating that in 1960, and this is when I was born, 4% of the children suffered from a chronic health condition. That means 96% did not. In 2007, 54% suffer a chronic health condition. And let's, let's think about this. That was 12 years ago. Do you think kids have gotten healthier or sicker? You got it, sicker. And back then, uh, 12 years ago, 1 in 36 children um, had autism, um, one in 285 will be diagnosed with cancer, um, and it's gotten up. So I encourage you. Now, now I posted this YouTube video on a TED Talk from Aarhus, uh, A-A-R-H-U-S. Um, it's, it's over in Europe. And 
The title of the article is How Vaccines Train Immune System in Ways No One Expected. Uh, now, this doc had been working in West Africa, and she was able to, you know, because they were been vaccinated over there for years, and they were able to check on the overall health of people that they were doing the DPT shot um, to, and they found out that because vaccines were tested only for their effects on a specific disease. I know you might find that hard to believe, that a vaccine was, when, when you're testing it, you're only testing for its reaction to the disease, not for the overall health. Uh, so what happens to that? I, think of this. You're doing a study. You're testing a vaccine, and you're going to see, okay, let's say you're testing the diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus shot. You may look for parameters on disease activity in, in pertussis, diphtheria, and tetanus, but you're not going to assess overall health. Okay, they're only assessed for protective effects against specific diseases. What they found is the difference between live vaccines and killed vaccines, and the killed vaccines are like the DPT shot. They actually found that there was a benefit, a secondary benefit to some of the live vaccines, um, and extreme negative were tenfold increase in death. Um, she has stats on fivefold. Uh, Dr. Abi has stats that show tenfold increase and they're having a hard time for getting the world to listen. She even goes on to state that if they modify the existing schedule, just modify it, like do not give the DPT shot, okay, they could save a million kids a year. So that, that's the first study, I've, or, or first TED talk, that ever brought up vaccines in a negative light. And she's saying that they're having a real hard time to get the world to listen about uh, because vaccines have non-specific effects. Then I encourage you to check a look at uh, the, the movie, Malcolm is a Little Unwell. Now here is, a, I mean, gripping, Malcolm um, Brabant. Now this guy is a journalist. I mean, we're talking in war conditions, everything. Uh, he got a yellow fever shot and it took over his brain. I mean, it literally caused um, uh, the mental disorders. And this was the original intent of this talk today was on mental disorders and neurotoxins. And vaccines was just going to be a small part of it. But when you see parents handcuffing themselves uh, to the state capitol because of their med medically fragile children, their kids that have been damaged and their rights are being taken away, uh, yeah, that, that added a bit. Um, so we know that it can cause madness. We also know that according to the Journal of Toxicity and Environmental Health, um, quote, and this is, again, an article from about eight years ago, a positive association found between autism prevalence and childhood vaccine uptake across the U.S. population. Uh, let me just read this. The reason for the rapid rise in autism in the United States that began in the 90s is a mystery although individuals probably have a genetic predisposition to developing autism, researchers suspect that one or more environmental triggers are also needed. One of those triggers might be the battery of vaccines that young children receive. Wow. Okay, um, when you look at, you know, the measles panic now, look at pediatric neurology, titled the article, Elevated Levels of Measles Antibodies in Children with Autism. Um, 
there was a, a brilliant book at a Hacienda Publishing about shaken baby syndrome or vaccine-induced encephalitis. Um, and, and when you look at this, vaccine-induced encephalitis, um, the vaccines can cause a reaction that, that look like bruising. Uh, it can have um, easy hemorrhage. And here, this study was in 1955 where they did uh, EEGs or electroencephalograms on 83 children after the pertussis immunization. And because they found that their cerebral reactions or react brain damage and some very severe neurologic changes. Quote, considering the very large number of children diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, previously called minimal brain dysfunction, um, studies such as this past study, which closely examined individual children, are extremely rare in the study of vaccine reactions and virtually non-existent in today's literature. So even though the study was done way back in 1955, you're not going to see a lot of it. And listen to this common sense. Parents demand the right to accept or reject vaccines for their children based on informed consent. Some believe the dangers of current vaccines may approach or even exceed the dangers of the infectious disease themselves. It's difficult to answer the questions because there has been little um, more than token investigation and potential serious adverse events. We need definitive investigations in both immediate and long-term effects on the immunologic and neurologic systems. Amen. Amen. How about a little bit of common sense? <laughs> that makes a, a heck of a lot of sense. Um, um, when you look in this, this book goes on, and I'm talking, the references are outrageously good. Um, the action of vaccine shifting the immune file in favor of Th2. Th2 is an inflammatory response. Um, could play a role in the rapid increase of atopic diseases. Uh, atopic uh, diseases are uh, allergic rhinitis, asthma, dermatitis, um, high, uh, allergies like immune system, uh, food allergies, environmental allergies. And this is literally at epidemic proportions nowadays. And then when you look at um, vasculopathies, autoimmunity, cerebral hemorrhages, um, multiple, multiple articles state, state that there is problems. Then we look at, um, it's interesting, this was a book out of Australia. In the year 2000, it was published. It's called Vaccination Behavioral Disorders. Uh, <laughs> this is going to sound insane, but in Vaccine and Behavioral Disorders by Greg Wilson, and the, the author made comments about the latent period of vaccines. Quote, contemporary studies on pertussis vaccine select an arbitrary time limit in which reactions have to occur um, to be considered vaccine-related. It's usually three to seven days. Perhaps the only study which explores the dynamic of post-DBT reactions is an Australian study by Carlson and Schneider that monitored, um, uh, uh, monitored following breathing pattern volumes, in particularly times of stress-induced breathing following DBT shots. You might think, wait a second, that's crazy. How can they only look at something three to seven days? Well, 
there's another book um, by Archie Kelleranos, medical doctor. And again, this guy had been vaccinating like crazy, you know, to save lives. That was in the 60s and 70s what they wanted to do. And he's vaccinating Aborigines. However, he found out that infant mortality was as high as 50%. Um, observing that the children frequently died following immunizations, especially if they had colds, he recognized that there might be connection between vitamin C deficiency and deaths from vaccines. With improved nutrition and regular vitamin T supplements, infant mortality was virtually abolished. So um, the, why? What, what happened in our country? Well, the National Vi Childhood Vaccine Injury Act was of 1986, and this was to reduce the financial liability of the vaccine manufacturers due to vaccine injury claims. That's right. It goes back to 1986. Now, when we look at 86, um, you got to figure in the 70s, there was a huge number of lawsuits that the, that the vaccine companies were losing. Um, and so they had to do something, either make the product safer or wipe out the liability from the companies. Now, if we look at the vaccine rates, vaccine rates back in 1985, now remember, we had about half the cancer rates, but they only had the DPT, polio, and the MMR shot. And those were about 60, 61%, 63% coverage. That means around 40% of our population did not have that coverage. And there was no hepatitis B, influenza, rotavirus, Hib, varicella, meningococcal, flu shots. There wasn't any of that stuff that was recommended. And when they passed it, they had a general rule. And the, the rule was... Um, that when Congress granted economic immunity to the pharmaceutical companies, Congress recognized that it literally eviscerated the economic incentive for pharmaceutical companies to create safe vaccines or make existing ones safer. So they told the Health and Human Services um, to check on it biannually to give a report to Congress. Now, this was 32 years ago. Never, not once, okay, did Health and Human Services um, look at uh, the report or give a report to Congress to say if the, the vaccines were safer or not. And in fact, Children Health Defense, uh, the Informed Consent Action Network, sued Health and Human Services and won. And they say, yes, you're right. We haven't done any safety studies or reported to Congress at all. Then we have the nail in the coffin, and this is how it's slowly been in. You figure in 86, the, the pharmaceutical industry lost liability. So bam, you go from three vaccines to 72 vaccines, okay? I mean, just overnight. Then in 2011, uh, Bershowitz versus Wyeth, okay? Wyeth is the vaccine manufacturer. And this went before the Supreme Court. And this is when the Supreme Court labeled vaccines as unavoidably unsafe products. Uh, quote, those products in which present state of human skill and knowledge cannot be made safe. Uh, they also go on to state, no vaccine manufacturer shall be liable in a civil action for damages arising from a vaccine-related injury or death 
with the administration of a vaccine after October 1, 1988. If the injury or death resulted from side effects that were unavoidable, even though the vaccine was properly prepared and accompanied by proper directions and warnings. Now, um, when you look at this, okay, um, two hours after Hannah Bershowitz um, received her six-month DPT shot, uh, she started to develop seizures and was hospitalized for weeks. Uh, then, uh, one month prior, uh, when their, their daughter was three years old, they filed a petition seeking compensation for her injuries. One month prior to the petition, new regulations eliminated Hannah's seizure disorders from the list of compensable injuries. Um, that mean, So the family's petition was denied. So three years later, in 1998, the drug company Wyatt withdrew that type of vaccine um, that Hannah got from the market. Why? Because of the seizures. <sighs> um, so... I encourage you to read the article by Vera Schneiber, Ph.D., um, on vaccinations. A hundred years of orthodox research shows that vaccines represent a medical assault on the immune, on the immune system. Uh, absolutely, and that's what we saw in that TED Talk as well. When they talk about compensable injuries, um, we have in 2016, 2018, I actually got off of the CDC site what injuries they think are from the vaccines. Uh, so we're going to have all of this information tonight at our health talk on uh, live on Facebook it is, and then it will be presented in a week on YouTube. Uh, this is absolutely um, one of the, the pivoting points of history. If you look at the death rates or what percentage of population the disease actually affected and what percentage of population the medical interventions are affecting. We're talking 54% of American children have a chronic illness or disease. And the percentage, that means 48% do not have harm, but 54% do. Now, when you look at the percentage of population, and I'm talking before vaccines, pre-vaccine, and let's look at polio, measles, pertussis, tetanus, rubella, diphtheria, chickenpox, hepatitis B, and Hib, the percentage of population not harm is always more than 99.999%. That means most of the people, we're talking less than a thousandth of a percent were actually harmed by the disease. Uh, so let's look at the Nuremberg, Nuremberg Code. See, when the Nazis were experimenting on gypsies and Jews and, and people that didn't have, a, you know, the standard mental capacity, they um, came to the conclusion that there was no informed consent, that there was a coercion, and the... Um, scientific experiments were not properly fo uh, formulated. Well, guess what we have now? We have no informed consent as of 2010. They are forced medical procedures if you want to get some type of education or job. Uh, there is absolutely no liability for the manufacturing process and no fault for the product defects. There is no normal litigation process, so there is no um, no tort system. Uh, 
uh, and there's no double-blind placebo-controlled trials. It's that this is incredible. This is worse than any other country on the planet. This is why the mothers were holding the American flag upside down. Uh, they love America. They love their kids. They loved um, the medical system and trusted the medical system. And they've got their, their kids vaccinated and they develop problems. If we look at frontier cell and neuroscience in 2016, the relevance of neuroinflammation and encephalitis and autism. Um, quote, the sudden and dramatic rise in autism spectrum disorder prevalence has in some ways caught the medical community off guard. In the midst of this meteoric rise of autism and autism spectrum disorder, significant new research into the physical symptoms has been done. And they're talking about encephalitis and damage. So, um, basic, you're going to see more lawsuits to the federal government. Um, this, uh, the, the people responsible for passing this law, they will be indicted. This goes back to the original civil rights in the 60s when Governor Wallace barred black children from going to a school that was segregated. Okay, now we're going to be borrowing uh, unvaccinated ch children to go to a standard school. Um, it's it's crazy now. Uh, tell your friends. Get educated. Go to the Informed Action Consent Network. Check out Del Bigtree's uh, material. Check out my material. Check out um, Dr. Tim O'Shea's book. Order J.B. Handley's book. Look at all of uh, support people that are supporting freedom of choice. Um, contact your congressman because you cannot leave California. If you do, it's still spreading around. It's going to be throughout America. There will be no safe place. We have to take our rights back now. You have to call your congressman, state senator, and say, look, my personal choice in my health, my body has sanctity. Um, this is Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate. God bless you. I love you. And Things will work out well. Um, you're going to win this fight.